On that first Easter Sunday evening, Jesus appeared to the disciples for the first time. Then, eight days later, He appeared to them again. Get your Bible and let's talk about it. In our last session, we looked at Jesus' appearance to His disciples on that first Sunday, Easter Sunday evening. The disciples were trapped in fear and doubt. They were locked in a room with the door barred for fear they would be executed like Jesus. They were terrified of the possible consequences of following Jesus. And there in their hiding, Jesus appeared in their midst. Boom. Scriptures tell us that Thomas was not there. The other disciples told Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And he says, mm-mm, mm-mm. So turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and let's see what Thomas said. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. That was the first visitation uh, on Easter Sunday evening. The other disciples, therefore, were saying to Thomas, we, we've seen the Lord, but Thomas said to them, unless I shall see his hands in his hands, the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas says, I've got to see this for myself. I've got to experience something here. Look on down there then in verse 26. And after eight days, this is eight days later, his disciples were inside, same place, same circumstances, locked up, dark room, hiding, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came. The doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands. And reach here your hand and put it into my side. And be not unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? I think in the original language, it's a statement. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. Here they are in the same room. They're still fearful. They're hunkered down. They're hiding. They're locked up. And again, Jesus, out of nowhere, just appears in the midst of the group and says, Peace be with you. I want you to notice, though, with me, what he said to Thomas. He said, put your finger right here. Put your hand right here. Stop unbelieving and believe. Here's what I want us to get. Jesus cared for Thomas personally. He cared for him personally. He knew his heart. He knew his questions. He knew his doubting. 
but he gave this doubting Thomas what he needed to believe. Jesus is so faithful to do that for us. God deals with our honest doubts and our sincere questions. He doesn't mess with curiosities. And, but when you're hungry, when you're seeking the Lord and He wants, you want to know, then He's going to meet us precisely where we are. Notice Christ's willingness to continue to draw these people to belief. Even the apostles, even the other disciples, the women who had seen the Lord, He's still drawing them. He's still teaching them. One of the things that I just am so relieved about, one of the things that tells me something about Jesus is He never looked at this group of people and said, you dummies, not Jesus. What did He do? He met them where they were. He understood their faults. He understood their needs. And He met them for the purpose of revealing Himself, for the purpose of causing them to believe. Stop being unbelieving and believe. So what Jesus said was enough for Thomas. Jesus knew what it was going to take for Thomas. And then Thomas made one of the greatest confessions in all of the Bible. He said to Jesus, my Lord and my God, I believe, I believe. And he bowed before him as his Lord and his God. But then Jesus said to Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. Think about it. That includes us. That's us. That's us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Great verse, great verse. We believe unto eternal salvation. We believe in the one we haven't seen. I haven't seen Jesus. You haven't seen Jesus in his fullness and in his glory because God says we can't live. But we've not physically seen him. I've not seen this resurrection body, but I believe him. Why? Why do we believe him? Why can we do that? How can we believe it? Because of the record of scripture. Because of the record of scripture. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is inspired truth. And when you want to know Jesus, when you want to see Jesus by faith, this is where you start with the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians uh, verse chapter 5, Paul says, and we walk by faith, not by sight. What is faith? It's believing what God said. Believing what God says right here in His Word. That's faith. Believing it and acting on it. Not just believing it. Faith, just words won't get it. Once we believe it, it's going to change us. It's going to change our lives. So when we walk by faith, we're walking according to what God says as truth. See, when we have this book, we don't need to see the risen Christ. We don't need to see Him to love Him. 
because we've got the message. We've got the truth. We don't have to have a vision of him. Now, he may do that sometime, but it will be a situation like Thomas where somebody just needs that in order to believe. God knows our needs and he's going to respond to what they are. But some people will say, well, he did it for Thomas. He could do it for me. Well, he could, but he gave you this. And what he says is this book is better than that. It's the whole story beginning to end. And so he did do that to to Thomas and he may do it for some other people for his own purposes and his own reasons. But Jesus' appearance to Thomas was not just for Thomas, wasn't just for Thomas. It was significant evidence of a literal, physical resurrection. But as personal as it was for Thomas, and given even the fact that that the scriptures tell us about Thomas, it wasn't just for Thomas. It was for all of us who have read and will continue to read for years to come the account of this event. It was an event that they could put in God's word so that you and I could benefit from it, so that we would know it. We have a risen Christ whom we love and believe. He is real. We experience him in our lives in many ways on a daily basis. Scripture specifies that this event with Thomas took place eight days after Resurrection Sunday. So kind of get that in your mind. You know, on the evening of the first Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared to the disciples where they were hiding in that upper room. And scripture clearly says Thomas was not there. And so the disciples tried to tell him about it. He's like, "Uh, -uh, no, I'm not believing that. I haven't seen that. And now it's eight days later. Thomas is with them. They're there in the same place, same circumstances, doors and bars, doors and windows shut, barred. You know, they're hiding out in there because they're so afraid. And so this is eight days later and Thomas was there. So Jesus meets them again. Now, Jesus was on earth for 40 days after he arose from the dead. 40 days. Think about that. Just longer than a month. And so in those 40 days, Jesus showed the world that he lived again and was alive and well. He was walking around on the earth, visiting with people, teaching and preaching the kingdom of God, the scripture says. Now, the number 40 appears 146 times in the Bible. I can't explain all that. But in the book of Genesis, Noah isolated himself and his family and animals in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses lived 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the desert before God told him to lead his people out of slavery. On two separate occasions, Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights in God's presence. Moses sent spies into Canaan to search out the land and God that God had promised them. They didn't really believe God, so they did what a lot of us would do and got a committee together to go in and check it out. Stayed in there 40 days. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness 40 years. So Jesus was in the desert being tempted by the devil. How long? 
40 days. So over and over and over, the number 40, the number 40, the number 40, from early Genesis all the way through scripture, the number of days, the number of days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven was 40 days, 40 days. Now, generally speaking, when you see the number 40 in the Bible, God is up to something. There are all kinds of um, things you can read about what the number 40 means. I respect that. I don't know about all that. I just know 40 and 40 means something to God and God is up to something. And so we need to, to take all the advantage that we can of learning about those 40 days where Jesus was on the earth between his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. They were active days. He was busy. He wasn't trying not to be seen or just revealing himself to a few people. He was out doing his, doing his thing, preaching and teaching the kingdom of God, giving all of the evidence that anybody in the world would think anybody needed to know that he had risen from the dead. John chapter 21 and verse 25 says, Jesus also did many other things. What's he talking about? He's written about all of these things in the gospel of John. And finally, at the end of the book, he says, you know, he did a whole lot of other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. So John says, I can't tell you all of this. The beauty of it is that we know we have what God wanted us to know because the Holy Spirit inspired every word of this book. But there was a lot more that, that's not written. All of, this, all of this, God says that in this book is everything we need for life and for godliness. So this is all we have to have. We might speculate, we might think about it, we might look beyond, but this is it. This is the meat. This is the truth. So scripture doesn't give us a lot of information about what happened in those 40 days that Jesus walked around the earth in his glorified body, in his resurrection body. There is a significant paragraph about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So turn there with me, if you will. To 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let me tell you about this. The, the books of the New Testament are not in chronological order. The book of 1 Corinthians was probably the very first book of the New Testament that was written. The book of 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about 20 years after the resurrection. Now understand that as soon as the resurrection was over, they didn't just grab pencil and paper and just start writing. It evolved over a period of time. It evolved as God chose to reveal himself. It, it evolved as God chose for the Holy Spirit to work. So 20 years after the resurrection, Paul is writing this letter. Now, um, it's about the same time that um, Matthew and Mark were written. Uh, John and Luke, if I remember correctly, were written a lot of years after that. So just get in your mind that these things were written over a long period of time. And so this 1 Corinthians letter is one of the first glimpses we have when Paul started writing. 
Now remember that Paul, Paul's earlier name was Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church. There's no uh, indication that he was present for the crucifixion of Jesus or that he had any experience at all with the resurrection. He's probably one of those that just discounted it, didn't believe it. But later, we know from Paul's testimony, he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. He was continuing to persecute the church. And so he was traveling on a road to Damascus and Jesus stopped him one day, appeared to him and said, why, he didn't say, why are you persecuting the church? He said, why are you persecuting me? Because whatever happens to God's people is happening to God. And so Paul said, you know, Paul was converted. It's an incredible conversion experience. But he met Jesus on the road to, to Damascus. So here in these first few verses of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives us some information about Jesus 40 days on earth between his resurrection and his ascension. So I'm going to, let's read the first eight verses together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now I, Paul, make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if or since you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. A lot can happen in three days, right? Verse five, and here, here we get what he says about the 40 days. He's raised on the third day. And after that, he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of who remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as it were to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Then he says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove in vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. So what we have here is testimony of eyewitnesses. You know, human courts uh, almost always base the proof of evidence on eyewitness accounts. When they call witnesses to the trial, to the courtroom, they say, I'm going to tell you the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth. And so what they're looking for are people who saw firsthand what happened. And the more people they have that agree, the surer the jurors or the court can be of what really happened. And so that's kind of what's happening here. Paul kind of writes like that, like he's in court, like he's defending the gospel of Christ. And so there's quite a list here. 
There's quite a list here. Did you see that? First of all, he says, after he arose on the third day, verse five, he appeared to Cephas. That's Peter. And that coupled with what we saw uh, before in a lesson toward the end of one of the gospels, that's all we know. Jesus appeared to Peter and it apparently was on that first Easter Sunday. But Jesus appeared to Peter. So Peter saw him firsthand and he told the other disciples because the other disciples could tell uh, the guys from uh, that had walked on the road to Emmaus when they tried to join them and tell them what they had seen. They said, you know what, Peter, Peter's already, Peter saw him, Peter saw him. So what are they doing? They're believing Peter. They're following Peter because he was a leader. And so Peter saw him. Then he says, the 12. Now the 12 are the apostles, but we know that there are only 11 of them because we lost Judas in the shuffle. And so they call them the 12, or sometimes you see them call them the 11, just to identify the group. But I love this one. He says he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. So that's why we need to understand that he wrote this about 20 to 25 years after the resurrection. And so a lot of the people who were in that group of 500 are still alive. Some have died. That's what he says when they're falling asleep, but some have died. And so he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. Well, if 500 people saw something, saw the same thing at the same time, that is verifiable proof as an eyewitness of something that had happened. And then he said he appeared to James and all of the apostles. And then he appeared to Paul. Then he appeared to Paul. So these people, all of these who were eyewitnesses, the 500 and Peter and James and um, these others, the women whom he, whom had, had, who had seen Jesus, they've been telling this story for 20 to 25 years. They've been sharing it. They've been relating the story. They were like, I was there. I saw it. We kind of do that in our culture sometimes, don't we? If some major event happens, then we hear people say, I was there. I was there when it happened. Well, these people saw Jesus. They saw him during those 40 days that he was walking on the earth in his resurrection body. So they have been talking about it 20 to 25 years and they can say, they can give testimony. I saw the risen Christ. I saw the risen Christ. I saw the risen Christ. So they're the same, the same story. They've all seen him. There was not much question in Jesus' day, if any, about whether he really rose from the dead. Too many people saw him die and then saw him back alive again. So verifiable proof of the resurrection of Jesus by lots of people who all saw the same risen Christ. But I want you to notice something in particular. Notice James, verse seven. Then he appeared to James. Most scholars think that this was the James that was the Lord's half brother. Now, Mary and Joseph had other children. Jesus is the son of God and Mary. So these children of Mary and Joseph were actually Jesus' half-brothers and sisters. 
But scripture names several half-brothers that Jesus had. John chapter 7 verse 5 says that they did not believe in Jesus. There's a lot to speculate about and think about there, but they grew up in the household with Jesus, although they were all younger than Jesus because Jesus was Mary's firstborn son. So they're all younger, but they, they didn't believe all that they heard and all that they had been taught. They didn't believe that Jesus was who he was. Like a lot of other people, you know, he was this kid from Nazareth. And so they just, they didn't get it. They didn't believe it. But James, this half-brother, became a believer. Apparently, it was when Jesus appeared to him in his resurrection body. So Jesus appeared at some point in time to his half-brother James, and James became a clear, clear, clear believer. He wrote the book of James that's in the Bible. He became the leader of the Jerusalem church. And how do we know? What does history tell us about James? History tells us that James was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and it didn't kill him, so they beat him to death. So James died the death of a martyr. When these people saw Jesus, they were never the same again. There's a song that's always been one of my favorite songs. The name of it is, I've Just Seen Jesus. And it was originally sung and recorded by Larnell Harris and Sandy Patty. And they sang, sing the most incredible duet of I've Just Seen Jesus. And it starts off, I don't know that I can remember all of it. We knew he was dead. It is finished, they said. We watched as they took his body away. And then the song goes on and the chorus becomes, I've just seen Jesus. I tell you he's alive. I've just seen Jesus, my precious Lord, alive. And I knew that he really saw me too. And if as then I'd never lived, all that I'd done before won't matter anymore. I've just seen Jesus and I'll never be the same again. That's what happened to these people. Maybe others too, but these eyewitnesses had a special experience and they were never, never the same again. James, enough that he was willing to become martyred. Paul became tortured, persecuted. All of these people who paid physically for their testimony of Jesus. They were committed. They were committed. What's it, what, what does it mean to be committed? Somebody told me one time, it's like having ham and eggs for breakfast. The chicken is involved. The pig was committed. Never the same again. Here's the question. What about you? Have you seen the risen Lord? Have you, by eyes of faith, been involved in the Word of God, 
so that He can reveal Himself to you. Understand that He will meet you where you are, just like He did Thomas, just like He did Peter, just like He did James. His goal is to make you a believer, a committed believer, a follower, a disciple. If you've not met Him, ask Him. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you. And I'm so grateful that He will just meet us right where we are. Be honest with Him. Reveal the truth to Him. This is my heart. I want to see you. I want to know you. Do what you need to do to give me understanding so that I can believe. You do that, and I'll see you next time. God bless you. Thank you.